G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's a Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. And just a reminder, we are still in a pandemic, so we're still not recording in the studio. We're just using an online software to be able to do these recordings so that we can still put out grad chat every week for our listeners. And for me, it's great because I want to keep up to date with all the research our students and postdocs are doing. But today, I'd like to introduce you to Trinda Penniston, who is doing a Master of Science in Psychology under the supervision of Dr. Meredith Chivers. Welcome to Grad Chat, Trinda. Thank you for having me. So you're doing your Master of Science. Are you in your first or second year? I'm in my second year. Second year. Oh, so you're doing the final part. (laughs) The bit where you have to start writing. (laughs) Oh, boy. I have already started writing. It's more of a question of when am I going to finish writing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I keep saying to the students, at some stage, you've got to finish the writing because you Mm -hmm. just want to get that paper out there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you can defend it properly. So that's great. (laughs) Now, it's interesting, actually. Trinda got dobbed in, as we say, back in Australia. By, by a colleague who has also been on the show, Clarissa de Leon. And Clarissa advised me that Trinder is doing some really interesting research, so it would be great to have on the show. So needless to say, that is all I needed to send out an email. And, and luckily for me, Trinder did say yes. So thank you very much for doing that. Nothing like being dobbed in by your mates, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really glad that she did because I've seen emails with the grad chat and I've seen some peers in the program that have done the grad chat and I was excited mm-hmm. to do it. Well, that's good. And then, and it's interesting too because, and this will come onto your topic anyway, but you were, you've been working with Clarissa and a couple of other peers of grad students with some of the programming that's going on around Black History Month and other, other programming. Is that correct? Yeah, Clarissa has interviewed me for something called the Young Black and Gifted Award, which my partner nominated right. me for. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and it's been great. So um, I've done a couple like Q&As and interviews and podcasts already now. And it's been really great getting involved with the media and talking about like my interests in research. And it's not always easy talking to the media, is it? No, definitely not. But it's been, <laughs> I think it's been great so far. Like people have been really great and really making me feel comfortable. And it gives me an opportunity to talk about the things that I love and that I'm interested in while also kind of shamelessly plugging my research. <laughs> <laughs> Which you've all got to do, don't you? Because you want to get the people involved, you know, to be able to collect your data and, and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing as well. But also get the results out there so people understand what's been going on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's interesting, you know, there, there's a lot of work going on these days, or, or maybe it's just advertised a lot more than it used to be on, you know, the EDII, equity, diversity, indigeneity and inclusivity, and and, and also what is racism or discrimination. Mm-hmm. And now, Trinda, your work looks at racialized sexual attractions and sexual responses. Not an easy topic to discuss on radio or in general, as, as many people are quite uncomfortable talking or listening about anything to do with sexual attractions or sexual responses, and also on, you know, what is 
racism and things. What, what mm-hmm. does it mean to to how we're living today? So what, what made you want to go into this area of psychology? I don't really know quite what it was that made me interested in sex and sexuality. I've always been interested in close and romantic relationships. And I started to lean into sex and sexuality as an aspect and intimacy as an aspect of close relationships. And so that's kind of what got me interested in sex and sexuality. And then through doing work in social and personality psychology, where uh, discrimination, racism, um, racial attitudes are very common and prominent like theme of research within social personality. And I kind of got to marry my interests and see how to examine both of those within within the areas that I'm interested in. That's great that you combine both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people who don't know, there's four different areas in, in psychology. And as Trinda mentioned, one of them is the social personality development area. It's, it's, it's a lot of things that are involved in that. So, you know, it's not everyone goes into clinical psychology per se. Some do, even though clinical still does some research, but the other three streams are very much the research-based. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm doing my master's in research-based program in social personality psychology. Which is no mean feat. And you've only got two years as a master's to be able to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely um, a time pressure to get an entire research project and thesis written in two years. But a lot of students do like an honors thesis in their undergrad where they have one year to do the same thing. So right. it's a lot of time pressure, but it's also some really amazing work that comes out of it when you do. But you didn't do your um, undergrad here, did you? Was it Manitoba? Did yeah, I, right? I did my yes. undergrad in Winnipeg, Manitoba at the University of Manitoba. And I worked with um, Marion Mori, who's a social personality psychologist. Right. And so did she put you on to Dr. Chivers? Because Dr. Chivers's lab has been, has been doing some amazing work for many, many years. So she didn't, actually. I just became really interested in sexuality research. And I through my research looking at like who's doing sex and sexuality research in Canada, I discovered right. Meredith's work, became really interested in like what she was doing, which was mm-hmm. a little bit more outside of my area. Like my background is in more arts and humanities and hers is in, through more like hard sciences, like physiology, right. psychophysiology. And I really became interested in her work and her research and the different ways in which she looked at sexuality through physiological responses. So that's interesting then. So you've, with what you've done in say at University of Manitoba, and your interest in more on the sort of the humanities side of things as opposed to the hard sciences what you're doing now is a bit of a combination of both then yeah absolutely at the racialized side of things as well as sex and sexuality mm-hmm. yeah so can you tell us a little bit about what you're actually trying to accomplish here yeah absolutely so right now I'm not doing any psychophysiology just because of COVID like I'm not actually Mm -hmm. in the lab collecting physiological data so I'm looking at people's self-reported sexual responses so what they subjectively believe is going on in their body um, and how they're responding to um, sexual stimuli so like different types of like sexual images and videos and what I want to know is essentially like if race is a really important factor for sexual responses like how do people respond to sexual images and videos when the people in these images and videos are of different races um, specifically right. like right now I'm looking at images and videos of like black and white women and comparing the responses between black and white folks who are viewing these sexual images and videos I always wonder about this question when with this kind of research I mean to me looking at videos or images and I'm, you may not be able to answer this but getting the response from that is that 
because that's the only way ethically that you can sort of test this or or is it you know that there's a good correlation between looking at the videos and say images as opposed to a real life person does that make sense Kind of, yeah. So the reason that I'm looking at people's responses to images and videos particularly, um, more so I'm more interested in their responses to videos because it's the audio-visual media that tends to facilitate and augment people's sexual responses. Ah, right. Yeah, so like people tend to become more aroused um, when they're like seeing more interactive stimuli and more interactive videos. Something that's a little bit more interactive as opposed to like still images. But I am still interested in how people respond to still images as well, just because there's very little research on how people respond when those images and videos depict people of various races. So why is it important, though, to to study this in both the response, regardless of color and with the two different looking at both different group black women or white women so the reason that I think it's important is because a lot of what we know about like sexual functioning so like whether people have like lower high sexual arousal and desire arousal being you know how their body their arousal levels to different images and videos and then the, the desire being their motivation to engage in sexual behaviors a lot of what we know about that is informed by people's sexual responses like how they respond to sexual stimuli, particularly like pornographic or porn images and videos. And that information is what informs our knowledge of sexual functioning, uh, which is really important for people's sexual and intimate relationships with themselves and with their partners. But a lot of what we know about that is informed typically by white men and women responding to white sexual images and videos. Uh, And so I think it's really important to consider other folks who do not particularly identify or see themselves in that imagery and to know what other people's, like particularly racialized and other marginalized folks' responses would look like when seeing different various racial images and videos. But the reason I'm also looking at white people's responses to those different images and videos is because we also don't have much research on how white people respond to to depictions of sexual images and videos of peeps of various races. It's interesting, actually, that you're doing this because I'm assuming the reason you're wanting to do this to, to see if, if there is any difference between what people see in, in an image, whether it's white people or whether it's black people. But this is more eventually to help what? To help counsellors or psychologists down the track of people if, if a couple is having intimate um, issues? relationship yeah. issues um is it to do with that because i always i always worry when people start talking about you know if they're looking at pornography because people can look at pornography for different reasons mm-hmm. yeah um, so you know where you're looking at this in terms of these video images is it more to sort of help a cu- to eventually help couple first of all, couples in relation intimacy relationship issues. And if that's the case, with your work looking at black person's response as a person as a white person's response, then being able to give the psychologist some information that that was a long way of asking that question, wasn't it? <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I think I understand. So the reason that I'm doing this research is kind of for both reasons. Like I want to both understand how different people respond in different ways to whatever they are viewing or whatever they find 
mind impacts their arousal. So when considering race and racism, there could be a lot of different reasons as to why people would respond maybe similarly or differently. It could potentially be because of people's attractions, like, like, you know, sexual racism is something that's a thing. It's a fairly like recent concept that's been noted in literature, is that people are only attracted to or may only want sexual relationships with particular racial groups. Okay. And so I think, you know, whoever you're attracted to might impact like your sexual arousal and response to what you're viewing. And then that also it could also be impacted by um, whoever one's partner is, if somebody is in a relationship already, if especially if they're in like a mixed race or interracial relationship, then having been being with and having been with a partner of a different racial background than you could impact who you find attractive or what you pay attention to or what you what peaks your arousal when viewing sexual stimuli. But then there's also the relationship that people have with themselves. Like what did they see and what did they view that peaks their arousal just as an individual? So there's a multitude of different factors that could be going on in relation to race that could be impacting the way that people view and connect with and interact with sexual imagery and their own sexual sexual identity and their bodies and how they respond. And I kind of just want to find out what that is in order to understand them and their bodies better. But also when working with clients, like for psychologists who want to work with racialized and racially diverse clients, just knowing how they can, they respond to different sexual imagery and knowing what to recommend to them in order to help them in their own journey of working through intimacy issues with themselves or their partners would be really important in knowing those different factors that could impact or, or affect people's responses for different folks, like with for different racial backgrounds would be really important in order for recommending different resources or different images or videos for them at, through their treatment or through their journies. There's a lot to consider, isn't there? Yeah, tons. <laughs> and we really just don't know what those are. So that's kind of what my I want my research to do is to try to find out and parse out those nuances mm. in terms of sexuality and sexual response. So before I ask you about why you're studying Black people specifically, Maybe I should ask the first question, why are you only looking at women? I would imagine, I mean, men's responses could be different, but why are you looking at the women? So I'm not actually only looking at women. Like my research oh, okay. is collecting data. That's okay. I, I talk about women because I am mostly interested in women's sexual arousal and sexual responses because there's a large right. history of women being excluded from research and from data and medicine. More recently, we see women being included as like more and more frequently and more often and in more diverse and inclusive and equitable ways. But there's still so much that we don't know. And so um, a lot of my interests are mainly in women's sexuality and women's sexual responses. Um, But I am also examining like men's as well. And I would like to also consider particularly like trans and non-binary and gender diverse folks as well, because of how much they're excluded from research and how much we don't know about their bodies and responses and experiences. Right. It makes, makes total sense. So I guess my, my question then is to you is why at, at this particular point in time in your research, why are you studying black people specifically? And, and what are the knowledge gaps that your research is trying to address? I mean, you've mentioned some of them, but um, can you elaborate on that? 
Yeah. So a part of why I'm studying black people specifically is because I am a black person myself. So it's Mm -hmm. a large part of it does have to do with, you know, me being a researcher and reading about and being interested in sexual arousal and responses and desire, but not seeing myself and my experiences represented in the own in the the very same research that I am interested in that I want to be engaged in. So not being able to see myself represented in that research is really important to me. And being able to give a voice to like, you know, people who look like me and who share my experiences is really important. Right. But another part of it comes from my background in social personality psychology. A lot of the research that we know about racial attitudes and different like racial racial discrimination, prejudice, oppression does largely focus on, you know, white people's attitudes towards black people. And a lot of that is because of like, you know, the history in the US and the United States um, right. and a lot of the research that's coming out of the United States. And so there is a lot of information about, you know, racial discrimination, oppression, in terms of like white and black, um, or white versus black. Um, So a lot of what I'm doing is building off of what already exists. And I would eventually like to expand to consider other racialized groups and other racialized folks outside of the kind of like white black dichotomy. A lot of my research is building on what already exists, like the dichotomy between like men and women and like white versus black. But I do really want to expand that to include everybody outside of that binary and outside of that dichotomy so so can i assume that i mean you kind of mentioned this that a lot of the research done to date is is very much from the from america Mm-hmm. Have you found any literature on, on research that's been done sort of outside of North America, maybe in Europe or, or down in South America or Asia? Have you found anything there that can sort of help put some things, give you some clarity in this particular area? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, a lot of the research that has informed my own research questions and what I want to examine is research that's being done right here in Canada by Dr. Lori Brado in BC, because she has done some work examining like sexual responses, both subjective or self-reported, as well as physiological in East Asians and compared that to like Euro-Canadians or like white Canadians. And a part of what she has done with her collaborators in her research examining like East Asians, women's and men's sexual responses has led to some of my own research questions because her research has been great and it's been awesome to see research being done on people who are not white. But I think one gap within the literature, not just her own, just throughout sexuality research and sexual response research in general, is that a lot of the stimuli that people are viewing are still of white people and white couples and white imagery and white videos. And so despite examining sexual responses in people of various racialized backgrounds and groups, they're still viewing stimuli that depicts white people. So they're still not seeing themselves represented in what they're watching. And I think that that's a really important component to consider when conducting sexual response research with racialized folks. That's good that you've got some some background there, and particularly in in a Canadian context, Mm because I I think that's really important because we are in Canada. Um, So I think that's really important that you were able to uh, look at that or have that background information for yourself. So towards the end of your Master of Science, you must have had difficulty. And how do you get people to put the hand up to help you with your research? Because I'm assuming you, you need to bring, well, like I said, you couldn't do Marshley, no, you answered that already, didn't you? You weren't able to bring people in because yeah, of the so pandemic. Yeah, so we're not, 
we're not able to bring people into the lab right now just because of the pandemic. But even before the pandemic started, we already knew that we probably couldn't do like the physiological components of this. What I wanted to do in this study was also bring people into the lab and examine their physiological sexual responses. Um, But because, you know, Kingston is a predominantly white city, there aren't very many black people in the city. And then, you know, with already a small population with that demographic trying to get like even half of that group to come into the lab and participate in the research is was a difficult feat that we considered. And so before the pan, before the pandemic was even a thing or before we even knew it existed, we knew that this research was going to have to be online at least to start. And then later... So when you say online, does you mean like surveys? Yeah. So I'm using um, a survey software to actually do my research now. And like we were able to get images and videos into like an online survey software to okay. be able to disseminate online for people to still watch the videos and still respond to questions like arousal and desire before and after. And it was it was a lot of work, but we were able to do it. And so it was really amazing to see the work that I wanted to do be translated and formed online. And hopefully mm-hmm. in the lab eventually, like <laughs> when we can get to that point. Yes, because I, I would imagine, I mean, there's one thing being able to get the survey and people to, to write down in that survey what they th- they were feeling but I would imagine the lab component when you are able to have it will I'm not saying people are going to lie what they write down on a piece of paper but the the lab part of it would give you another perspective on what they're actually feeling at that time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so I've had to find ways to make my survey work in the sense that making sure that the video plays and that they can't like rewind or pause or, or right, rewatch right. it a million times. There's a lot of things that are really hard to control for when you do research online, because you know, when people are in their own homes, like they can take a break and leave your survey for hours and then come back to it. And then who knows what right. that'll do to the data. Right. So do you think that's been one of those areas that's really blocked your research a little bit? I would say it hasn't necessarily blocked it, but it has put limitations on what I can do because much and of what I write it up as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because like a lot of things that I consider when writing my paper and writing the research, just the literature review and the research questions that I have, they seem like you have everything figured out until you actually have to build the study and make sure that you consider all the nuances. Like, right. how am I going to ask these questions rather than what questions am I going to ask? And how am I going to make sure that I control for people taking breaks or being at home on their own computers versus being in the lab? Yeah, just so many things to consider that make it so much more difficult and can put limitations on what you can and can't do, but still make it possible just... Just mm-hmm. a lot more work. Well, and that's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Just to put more work on yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so how did how did you find people who who were willing to put their hand up and say, "Yeah, I'm in. I'll be your guinea pig, so to speak." <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, well, is it, or you've been someone's helped you find all the all the people in your study, or do you still need to find people? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's. I'm not going to lie; it's difficult because you know there is also a large history of like black folks, particularly, being really skeptical and hesitant about participating in research or right. um, in any kind of like medical trials. And I know I'm not doing medicine particularly, but the hesitancy is still there because of the large history of you know black folks being experimented on and not mm-hmm. knowing what's happening with their data or what 
their bodies and minds are contributing to and how that like information is going to be communicated and used. And so a lot of getting people to be involved in my research is just being really transparent about what I'm doing, like telling people from the get go, like, this is what I'm interested in. And this is why I think it's important. And then being a black person myself definitely helps because being a part of that community just, you know, is another level that builds a lot more trust between the people who I want to participate because it's very obvious. And I think a lot of us can tell when we're being tokenized versus when the research is actually being built for and designed for us. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that was really important to me to make sure that I did. And then, you know, a lot of what I do as just a black person living in Kingston, just for my own personal wellness and well-being is to make sure that I find other people who look like me and be engaged in communities of people who share my social identity. And then it's through those connections where I tell people like, hey, I'm doing my research for my master's. Are you willing to participate? And if not, do you know other people who would and are you willing to share? The community connection and building like close and trusting relationships with the communities that you're working with is really, really important in research in general. And that's something that's been really, really great for me in terms of getting my research off the ground and being able to get research participation um, and people willing and able to be involved. So the people involved, though, they're not necessarily people who have an an issue where they feel they'd have to go to, say, a psychologist for assistance, they're just anyone. Yeah, so we don't um, actually ask, like, part of the eligibility for my study is that they can't have, like, they have to be 18 and over because they're watching, like, sexual videos and images. (laughs) But we also ask that people for making sure that they don't already have pre-existing sexual difficulties. So people who already have low arousal or desire or sexual functioning diagnoses or difficulties because those kinds of things can affect how they respond and things that, at least right now, I am controlling for, at least in the eligibility screening. So it can generally be I would say mostly anybody at least right now because we want to know just how the general population responds to sexual images and videos and then screening people who do not have sexual difficulties to make sure that those sexual difficulties don't impact those responses down the line like further into like my PhD as I plan to continue a lot of this work I would love to actually examine how sexual responses differ amongst racialized folks who do have sexual difficulties or who believe that they do and maybe those who don't quite have a diagnosis yet right so are you still looking for more people? Yeah, I only just launched my study about a week ago. And so I'm still looking for people to participate. And I'm looking for people who are interested and willing to take part in my study if they can and will. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always easy trying to get the participants. But if you want to give me, for instance, either a website or an email, if anyone is interested, and fits your criteria, if they want to participate, then I can put that up on the website. Uh, yeah, this grad chat. That would be great. And I would love that because that would be fantastic for getting like more reach and more people just seeing what I'm doing and potentially even just something if even if people are just willing to read it and know what it's about. And that's great. That's a first step. Well, ex- exactly. And you know, the more we can get the word out there, the better. So if we can help, we'd love to help on that part. Now, for, for a lot of people, this might sound like a really heavy research project <laughs> that you're doing. But I I noticed that you you still have time to have a lot of fun and everything like that, <laughs> looking at your little, what we call extracurriculars. So you're big into cooking and, and video games and trivia nights and that sort of thing to help you relax. 
Yeah, I absolutely try my hardest to prioritize self-care. And that doesn't always go great being a grad student. You're so busy. <laughs> and it's so much worse now in the pandemic, like going yes. out to rest. I'm not going out to restaurants. I'm barely going into grocery stores right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I know what you mean. But I'm still finding ways to connect with people. Like I play video games quite a bit. And I play Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. through. Right. Oh my God, that's something. I have, To be honest, I've never played that game. But I know a lot of people who have. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's great. And even now, like I'm just a beginner, like a learner I'm still getting into it but it's it's great it's interactive and it takes me away from school and work for a few hours and and cooking too like I love to cook I don't cook very often but I do love it and it's such a big part of what connects me to my culture like I'm background is Caribbean so being able to like actually cook Caribbean food and Caribbean food it's not the same as my aunties (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it still in some way gives me a way to connect with and engage with my culture in a way that I've been missing since coming here and starting school at Queens, being away right. from my family. Yeah, no, it's never easy, but yeah, you're right. Just making a meal that reminds you of home is always a big uh, pick me up, I reckon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad you're able to do that, and I love it when people can cook. I wish I could cook. My brother's a chef, but nothing rubbed off on me, unfortunately. So <laughs> it's harder to learn how to cook when you have family members who can because they cook for yes. you too. So it's like less incentive to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's exactly what happened with me. Mum was always making sure that, of course, that I was able to play my sport and get my studies and things done. So she always cooked for me. And I thought, oh, this is nice. And then, then of course, when you leave home, you think, oh, straight. How do I cook? Where's that book? Where's that cookbook someone gave me you know, when I was 16 or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, and I can imagine it's so much harder, too, when you don't have like some some folks, they just don't need a cookbook. They kind of just know what to do and they do I know, it. That's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right, like we need your knowledge we need to cook we need to learn how to sustain ourselves but have it taste good too <laughs> well I'm glad you're able to do that and I'm sure if you've got any flatmates they really appreciate it when you do the cooking because so, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I always love that so uh, that's that's fantastic well Trinda we're going to have to call it quits Thank you very much for talking to us about your research, which, like I said at the beginning, it's not always the easiest topic to talk out loud about, um, for either to talk about or for people to listen to. But mm-hmm. you, you did it really, really well. So thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me again. No worries. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat suddenly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Hey.